able to enjoy his great creation, but let's worship him this morning. Amen. Amen. Amen.
are a good God and we worship you, Jesus. Let's lift our voices together, church. God, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. You are a good God. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise this morning, God. You are good. You are so good, Jesus. And we get to worship you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
for those with liver issues this morning. God, that those liver signs and those things would work the way that they need to work. He is with you. He is with you. God, whatever, whatever anyone is needing this morning, God. God, I pray that you heal their body, that you would touch them this morning, Jesus. God, that kidney functions will begin to improve.
that you need us to hear. Not what we think we need to hear, not what we want someone else to hear, but God, what we need to hear from you this morning so we can be changed to be more like you. God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. I am so thankful for his presence. So thankful for his presence. Thank you, Jesus. Well, this morning we're going to talk to the kids that are out there. I want to be careful. We have a, a new camera, so I'm going to be careful to make sure that I stay where everyone can see. Because I'm not sure that I did a good job <laughs> earlier. But if there's kiddos out there, wait at me. Let me see you. There you are over there. There you are. Well, today is a day that we call Pentecost Sunday. Say Pentecost. Pentecost. Let me hear you louder. Pentecost. There you go, Pentecost. And we celebrate Pentecost Sunday to remember when God sent the Holy Spirit. Now, we have talked about how that Jesus came to the earth. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus came to the earth. And then we talk about, when we talk about Easter, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But then he rose again and he is alive. And then after he rose again, he went back up into heaven with God. Right? He didn't just leave us all alone because God said that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit. God sent the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Sean is going to talk about that a little bit later too. But in the book of Acts chapter 2, it talks about how God sent the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I want to show you something for just a minute. Now, on a hot day, it feels really great when the wind blows and there's a nice breeze, right? Give me a thumbs up if you like that nice Like right now, can you see the breeze blowing? Can you see it? I don't see anything moving, but what happens when I put my streamers out here? What are they doing? They're blowing, aren't they? You can see them moving. If you can hear them. Can you hear that? Can you hear the crackling of them moving? The crackling of those moving? I can hear them moving. I can see them moving, and oh, whoop, right now I can feel them moving in my face, slapping me in the face. So even though I can't see the wind, I can see what it's doing. I can hear it. I can see what it's doing to these streamers. I can feel it. Guess what? 
the Holy Spirit is kind of like that. Now, we can't see the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was here on the earth, walking and talking with people, they could see him. That he went back up into heaven and God said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. They can't see the Holy Spirit then. We can't see the Holy Spirit now, not like a person standing in front of us. But do you know what? We can hear the Holy Spirit. Just like I can hear the wind moving these streamers. I can hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Sometimes it's a small whisper. Sometimes it's a thought that I have and I think, where did that thought come from? Do you, you want me to do that what? That thought that maybe I should help somebody or the thought that maybe I should pray about something? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We can hear him. And this morning, like just like I can feel these brushing up against me, I can feel the breeze blowing on my skin. We can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I hope that you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. Sometimes it's just such a, a peace. Sometimes you may even get goosebumps. Sometimes you just, there's just a calm, or sometimes maybe your heart is beating really fast because like, oh my goodness, this is such an amazing feeling. But we can feel the Holy Spirit. We can know that he is there. We know that he is there. God sent the Holy Spirit. And that's why we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. Celebrating that God sent the Holy Spirit to us. And there's even more. Even more. He can fill us up so much that we... ...baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that gives us so much extra power. It's like turning the fan all the way on turbo mode. It gives us extra power and boldness to tell people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is awesome. And I am so thankful. So thankful that God sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. Amen. So you should have your activities with you there in the car, kids. You have a snack and activities for you. I'm so glad you are here this morning. Let's give it up for Pastor Sean. He's coming, and I think that ushers are coming to take up offering. Amen. Good morning. How's everyone doing? You can answer, you can honk your horn to wherever you want to do because you know you're outside in your car. But this morning we're, we're excited because obviously it's Pentecost Sunday. It's another Sunday. It's a beautiful Sunday. Um, I honestly uh, appreciate this Sunday a little bit more than I did last Sunday when it was uh, a little toasty. But uh, this morning, aren't you glad that the Lord has given us eternal life? Amen. He also baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, which that is a gift as well. The Lord bestows so many gifts and blessings upon us. It is amazing that, uh, that so many people say, well, God hasn't done anything for me. And this morning, if the Lord has done something for you, I just want you to either say amen or honk your horns or anything else just to say, you know what? Yes, the Lord has done so much for me. 
Amen. This morning, as we get ready to take up our tithes and offerings, it's it's because His Word commands it, but it's also because of out of how much He has blessed us and done so much for us. I mean, we have we have clothes on our backs, we have a roof over our heads, we we have food in our stomachs, all because the Lord blesses us beyond measure. And because you know what the Lord says, you know what? I want to bless you even more. Do you think you can do more with 100% that you have from your job? Well, you know what? If you would give me, this is the Lord speaking, if you would give, the Lord says, if you give me 10% of that, you can do more with the 90% than you could ever do with that 100%. And I don't know about you, but I, I've seen that so true of what the Lord does and how the way he moves and works you know, in us and, and through us. So this morning, let's pray over the offering because I know that the Lord wants to bless us. He wants to do amazing things through us and in us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that as we uh, as we give back unto you, Lord, the tithe and the offering, we know that your word says that if we give back that tithe and offering, that you will fling open, that you will throw open the floodgates of heaven, a blessing upon us. And Lord, I've seen that so much in my life from, from good health to possibly you know saving you know saving from you know car wrecks or anything else accidents from other you know, people not paying attention that your angels uh, watched over us the lord when we didn't know where the ends were going to meet you blessed us financially to be able to meet those meet those needs and so lord i thank you i ask that you bless this offering bless both the gift and the giver lord that it may be used to, uh, to preach your gospel to bring your gospel to those that don't know you, or Lord, that need to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. As the ushers make their ways around, if you were like, you say, you know what, I forgot, if you're here in person, and you say, you know what, I I forgot uh, to give, uh, you bring my my checkbook with me, or, or, or you know, your, your check, or, or your wallet, or any of those things, we also, or you're on at home, watching us right now, live stream, there is a, you can go to CorellersvilleFirst.com slash give, and there's a way on there that you can give as well. So that way you're able to uh, be able to give in your offering no matter where you're at this morning. pray over the reading of God's word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that the seed of your word would find fertile soil in us, Lord, that we would apply it to our lives, that we may be forever changed by your word, that we would not change your word to suit our needs, but we would be changed by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And said, Son of them of Jerusalem, is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Albeit we know this man whence he is. But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and ye know whence I am. And I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. 
but I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him, and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles, and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this, that he said, Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come? In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Have not the scripture said that Christ comes? Some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus said unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Doth our Lord judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. Last week we started in the chapter, uh, chapter 7 of John, in the Gospel of John. As we're continuing through the Gospel of John, we started... In the Gospel of John at the beginning of uh, the year and we're going to uh, keep on going through it until we finish and that we know that uh, John's Gospel is that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Messiah the one that was supposed to come to save us from ourselves to save us from our sin we saw last week that the truth divides both Chris uh, is it a divide Christians and you know, with those that are pretend or false Christians there are going to be those in the world and those false Christians that will that will say, that is not of God, that is not right. We're going to see this morning as we go through that some of those preconceived notions about that Jesus is all love and everything else. Yes, he is. He's full of love. But his definition is far different than what the world's definition is of love. It's going to divide those false or pretend Christians in the world with real Christians that are going to follow and say, you know what? Yes, Lord, whatever you ask me to do. Verses 25 through 27 says this, it says, Then said some of, uh, some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly. And they say nothing unto, uh, unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? 
how be it we know that this man once he oh, once he is but when Christ cometh no man knoweth whence he is what they are basically saying is they're saying do the rulers actually realize and know that this that that Jesus is the Christ he is the one that that in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 15 through 22 that it speaks of it's not only just the prophet he's not only the prophet but he is the Messiah he is the Christ he is the Savior that would save them from their sins he was prophesied in the Old Testament and they're asking is this really truly him it says how be it we know this man and where does he come from so what they're saying is we know him and we know where he comes or they think that they know where he comes from they think that he comes from Galilee they don't realize for one that he's not from Galilee he's from above he's from heaven but he also was born in Bethlehem fulfilling the prophecy that is in, in, in Isaiah that he is that he is the one that the scripture speaks of that is to come they look at the present situation of where he resides as being that's where he he was born because most people didn't move around at this time but as you know if you if you've read the the Christmas uh, nativity if you've read, read the accounts of this uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus move around continually because why because they were trying to kill babies they were trying to kill all the males and so they moved around continually some things never change it seems like nowadays it's okay that it's legal to kill babies the verses 28 through 29 they think I want to go back to that really uh, for a moment that they think it's okay we know that God's word that people throughout history have tried to kill babies because they wanted to, to, for population control, they wanted to stop certain things, they wanted to do all those things. And you know what? It's no different today. It keeps on going on, and the wickedness and the evil keeps on going, getting greater and greater as we go. Let's continue. Verse, verses 28 through 29 says this. says that, Then Jesus cried. Then cried Jesus in the temple. What does this mean? It was with a loud and earnest voice. For those that think that Jesus was just kind of like, oh, well, maybe you should follow me. And, you know, that would be great because I love you. No, it says that Jesus cried. It was it was a loud, earnest voice. It was with passion. It was with fervency. He was begging them and pleading with them, saying, this is what I want to tell you. It says, as he taught, saying, ye both know me, and you know whence I, uh, whence I am, and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true. He's testifying of salvation. He is telling them. He is begging with them. He is passionate. He's telling them. Flat eyes says, whom ye know not. He's telling them they don't know the person from which they came. And they will say, yes, I do know. Like, no, you don't. Because if you knew me, you if you know him, you would know me. And they don't know. They don't realize it. He says, but I know him. Jesus says, but I know him. For I am from him. And he has sent me. If they would know that, that, that the Father, if they know the Father, they would know the Son. They would know the Son, and they would know the Holy Spirit. As my wife mentioned, it is Pentecost Sunday. We're going to get to the point of Pentecost. Because I just said, you know, I'm going to preach through the Gospel of John, wherever it lays, and it lays. And the thing is, is that the Holy Ghost is spoken of in this portion of Scripture. This part where he comes out and he says, he says, but I know him and I, for I am from him and he has sent me is another claim to his deity and his divinity. 
This is another claim that he is saying, I am God. For those that say that Jesus never claimed it, yes, he does throughout Scripture. He does. Even in the Gospels, they say, well, he never said it in the Gospels. Yes, he does. You have to look for it. You have to see what he's saying. He's saying in here, he says, but I know him and I am from him. He's saying, I am God incarnate. Verses 31, I'm uh, sorry, 30 and 31 say this. Then they sought to, uh, to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him said, when Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? They wanted to kill him. This is seen in here. People around know that they want to kill him at this point, but they could. Why? Because his time had not yet come. This should be a word of comfort to all of us that are here and that are listening online if you are a believer. There should be a word of comfort. Why? For those who preach the gospel, it reminds us. It reminds me. It reminds us of all the prophets before who, who nearly died but didn't. Their lives were, uh, were spared just for their sakes, but because... Their time had not yet come. There was still work for them to. Uh, there was still work left for them to do. They're not going to take you out before you know it's your time. His time had not yet come, and they couldn't take him. When you're preaching the gospel, if it's your time, it's your time. But you know what? If it's not your time, they can't harm you. Remember, the Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It says, people believed on him when, uh, and then it says, when Christ cometh. What are they saying? It says, when Christ comes, can they do any more miracles than this Jesus that's right in front of us? Can they do any more? He's doing so much right now. Can somebody else be doing even more than him? It says, basically, how can this not be the, the Christ? Because he's doing so much. How could it not be? How could it not? How could he not be the Christ? Verse 32. Then the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. This is an uh-oh because they don't want to give up their positions of authority at this moment. Or ever. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. The Pharisees and the chief priests had enough of this quote-unquote nonsense. They couldn't, they couldn't take it anymore. They wanted to keep their positions their positions were being threatened because they knew that if Jesus was the one, if he was going to take over Jerusalem, if he was going to take over, like they thought that he was a political leader, they knew that, that they wouldn't have those positions anymore. So they said, you know what? It's time. We're going to arrest him. Verses 30, uh, 33 through 36. Then said Jesus unto them, yet a little while while I am, uh, I am with you. And then I said, uh, then I go unto him that sent me. He shall seek me and, and shall find me not. And where I am, thither ye, uh, ye cannot come. Then said, uh, then said the Jews among them, uh, among themselves, whither will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go to the undispersed among the Gentiles? Uh oh. They're saying, is he going to go to the Gentiles, those unclean people, those horrible people that they're not like us, they're so beneath us? And teach the Gentiles. What manner of saying is this that he say, You shall seek me and shall not find me? 
And where I am, there ye cannot go, uh, cannot come. What they're missing out of the fact is, is that God says it in, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, says this, To seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. How much nearer can he get? He is standing in the midst of him, uh, of the people. He's The Son of God is standing right in front of them. How much nearer can he get? And they're missing him completely. How closer can they get to the Lord, to the, uh, the creator of all things, the Son of God? How much closer could they get? And the thing is, is that we oftentimes say, you know what, it... Some of us would say, if God could only show up, or if he would stand in front of me, then I would believe. The thing is, is that God is in the midst of us this morning, as we know. He is here. His presence is in this place. He is standing right in front of us this morning. But here's the thing. Like Downing Thomas will say, you know what, I'll tell you this. No, you wouldn't believe, even if Jesus was standing right in front of you. Because these people knew the Bible as well. Better probably than most of us probably do. And they miss Jesus standing in their midst. That's a sad reality. That when the Son of God, the one that's doing all these miracles, the one that's right there in the midst of them, missed him. He, some people say, oh Lord, don't pass me by. They had him right there in front of them. And they missed him. For time's sake, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to uh, give an overview of verses 40 through 52. Some of these people were arguing at this time. They began to argue in, the, in this portion of scripture. They're saying that Jesus is a prophet spoken of in Deuteronomy 18. Then they argue, no, he's not. He's not the Christ. Because why? Because they think that Jesus was born in Galilee. This is their hangup right now. They say that he's born in Galilee, that there's nothing that can go, uh, come, nothing good can come out of Galilee. But we know that he was born in Jerusalem, uh, in, in Bethlehem, as scripture prophecies or prophesies about. Officers were commanded to arrest him, but why? But they didn't, because his time had not yet come. And they said, I have never heard somebody speak like this. They had never heard a person speak in the way that Jesus did. And even Nicodemus, the one that we see in John chapter 3, he speaks up and defends Jesus. He's trying to give him an out. He's trying to say, doesn't our law say that we at least have to hear what he believes before we, we arrest him? And what do the, the chief priests and Pharisees want to do? They say, you know what? No. Nothing. Go check your Bible. Nothing good comes out of Galilee. The Messiah is not supposed to come out of Galilee. He's supposed to come out of Bethlehem, basically. Little do they know. And the reason why that they don't understand the natural man receiveth not the things they don't understand the things of God because you know what? arguments we have with people is because they say or even maybe even think that they are saved and they are not. They are spiritually discerned and they don't know him. 
Have you ever met a person that tries to argue, you give them scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, and they give you, hey, my pastor said this. Hey, my pastor said this. And you keep giving them scripture after scripture after scripture. And they say, you know what? I'm just not going to believe that. pastor says, if he's wrong, he's wrong. You check it against the word of God. I encourage you, check what I'm saying against the word of God. And I don't say that as a big bold statement. I'm saying, you know what? If I'm wrong, I want to be corrected. There's pastors out there that say, how dare you ever correct me? That's a spirit of pride right there, and it needs to be you know, rebuked. Now, you know what? I'm going to go to a portion, of, you know, the portion of scripture. I'm going to go back to verses. together. It says this. In the last day. This is not the last days like we're in the last days. This is the last day of the festival. That great day of the feast. Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water now let me tell you what he's doing here because at this time on the last day of the feast what the priest does is he takes out a drink offering and he pours it he pours it out he pours it out before them saying you know what this this shall be the blood spilled out upon them, upon them for their sins this is what he's doing and jesus is speaking up over him He's saying, you know what, I am, he says, whoever believes on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He is compared, this compares to John chapter 4, where the woman at the well comes, and Jesus says, I have water that you don't know of, but I'm here to offer it to you. Let's continue. But this he spake, he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. What is he saying? He says, they that. given because that Jesus was not yet glorified what he is saying is that you, if you believe you should receive the Holy Ghost which we are going to see here in a moment that is for all Jesus is speaking of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost today is in Acts chapter 2 some will argue that he is speaking of salvation, and he partly is. But there's more to these verses than what he is saying. Like I said, it says, it says here, they that believe on him. Yes, that is salvation. He says, but you should receive something more. It says, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. It was not given in the manner that he is speaking of. Adam Clark said this in his commentary. He says, certain measures of the influence of the Spirit had always been given in the conversion or the saving of people and the sanctification or the, or the sanctifying or making holy of the ancient saints and the prophets. But the fullness of the Spirit was not given 
until the day of the uh, day of Pentecost. The fullness of the Spirit was not given yet until the day of Pentecost. How do I know that this is what Jesus is speaking of? It says because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He was not. He had not raised from the dead yet. He was not crucified. Glorifying means, meaning after that he was to be crucified, then raised to life and ascended back to heaven. Then we see the fullness of the Holy Ghost poured out on the day of Pentecost upon all those who believe. All. Does this say that it matters what your skin color is? Does it say if you're male or female? Does it say if you speak a certain language? Does it say if you dress a certain way? Does it say if you have a certain income? Does it say, no, it says all. All those who believe. He wasn't fully glorified until he accomplished what he set out to do, which was to be crucified, buried, and raised to life, given us new life. Then Pentecost was poured out. Then the Holy Spirit was poured out. So the Spirit was already given to enable for conversion or salvation. But in the Old Testament, it was only this, 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 this outpouring was only given to a few for a certain period of time. It was only given for a short period of time. It was only given to certain peoples and prophets to speak certain things. But it wasn't for all. And Jesus says, wait, it's coming. So how does the baptism in the Holy Spirit bless us? How does it, how does it show this is not an exhaustive list. There's, I have quite a few verses here, but it is not an exhaustive list of how God blesses us with this gift of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verses, verses 16 through 17 says this, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. He comforts us in our times of need, that he may abide with you forever. How long? Forever. Even the spirit of truth, he gives you truth. When the world cannot receive, because you know what? The world is not going to receive. Who in the world cannot receive the Holy Ghost? Why? Because they're not saved. Because it sees him not. Neither, uh, neither knows him not. But ye know him. For he dwells with you and shall be in you. Isn't that a comforting verse to read? Next verse, John chapter 14, verse 26 says this, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. He's going to teach you everything. If you pray before you read God's word, say, Holy Spirit, teach me, lead me, guide me, direct me as I read your word. He's going to do it. And will bring, and bring all things to your remembrance Whatsoever I have said unto you. This is a great thing because when you're persecuted, you notice what I said, when, not if. If you're a believer, you will be persecuted. When you are persecuted, Jesus will bring back what you have read, what you have studied. And the thing is that he will tell you all things. He was not going to let you forget what, he, what his word. His word is not going to return void. What he has what you have read, what you have studied will come back in that moment. You may not understand and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to say here. Don't worry about it. Why? Because he's going to give it to you. Proverbs. Yes, I'm going Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 23 says this. Turn 
you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. He's going to make known the words unto you. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3 says, Therefore, with joy shall he draw out of the wells of salvation. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15, Unto the spirit be poured out, to, until the spirit be poured out upon us from where? From on high. You can't buy it. You can't purchase it. Where does it come? From on high. Where is Jesus? On high. He's going to pour it out upon you. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3 says this, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, thirsty of soul. If you feel like you're in a dry and thirsty land, your soul just feels famished and dry, what does the word of God say that he said he's going to pour it out upon those that are thirsty? It floods upon the dry ground. How we, I think we know about flooding around here, don't we? Can you imagine when God so saturates your dry ground that it floods? I will pour out my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy, uh, upon your offspring. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and get poured out, what's going to happen? He says he's going to pour a blessing upon your family and upon you and upon all of them. We said that a little bit this morning as well. household shall be saved. Is my entire household saved? Is my entire family saved? No. But my household is getting there. I keep on praying for them. We keep on praying for them that they will come to know him. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. This is Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Do we believe that the, God, the word of God says that he's going to do these things? How many of you believe that we are in the last days and that this verse applies to us? I do. Luke chapter 3 verse 16 says, John answered saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, that the latchet of whose uh, shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. If you are baptized in the Holy Ghost and, you're, and your life is not holy or you're only holy on Sundays, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost. You're doing something else. If you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you your life should reflect that you're living a holy life. And it says, and with fire. Some people look at that and go, oh no, I don't want to be baptized in fire. That's it's not hellfire, but just so you know. With fire means it will burn up every impurity. It's a refining fire. Every impurity in your life, it burns it out, it burns it out of you. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I thought that my life was fairly well clean before that. 
I said, you know what, I'm good. I think I'm good. I've been reading God's word. I think I'm good. And then God began to, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, God goes, you got to go deeper. There's more that you're missing. There's more that you're missing. And you know what? It wasn't a thing of going, oh, man. Jesus, why did you have to tell me that? Why would you do that? Don't you know I love doing that? And I said, Lord, you know what? If that's what you want, I want more of you. I want more of you. If that's it, I'll get rid of it. I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to burn it. I'm going to destroy it. I don't care because I want more of him. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. He says, you know what? I'm going to burn up every single impurity. Why? Because he wants us to be closer to him. Luke chapter 24, verse 49 says, And behold, I will send the promise of my Father. It is a promise. God does not lie. What he promises, he will do. It says upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. What does it say you have to do? He says you have to wait. You have to wait upon the Lord that he will do it. It is a promise. He's not going to lie. He will tell you. He will keep you. He's going to He's going to baptize you. Why? Because his word says it. He says, this is the promise. He says, I'm going to send the promise of the Father. I'm going to do it. Acts chapter 8, uh, sorry, Acts chapter four, uh, 1, verse 4 through 8. He says again, I'm going to, he says, but wait, uh, wait for the Father, the promise of the Father. And he goes down farther, and, and he says, he says, because they begin to ask him, he says, when is, when are you going to come back? When is everything going to be done? Done in, in when are we going to rule and reign with you? And Jesus says, you know what? It's not the time or the season. It should not matter. Why? Because I'm going to do this. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Ye shall be my witnesses unto them both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. He's saying, you know what? Don't worry about when I come back. Don't worry about my second coming. I'm going to come. I promise you that. He says, but you know, until I come, guess what? I'm going to give you the power to make it. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit to make it that you may that you shall be my witnesses. That whatever you do, whatever you whatever happens to you when you're persecuted, I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you the power to do these things. So many times we focus on being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in our tongues, which is a great thing. Don't get me wrong, but we miss the fact that that power is to be a witness. It is to be a witness to everyone around us. You shouldn't just be a witness at church. You should be witnessing wherever you go. Your life should show it. Your word should speak it. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, and this is for those that say, you know, I'm still not convinced that it's for me. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, and they were all Filled. How many is that? All. Not minus one, not minus two, but all. If you are a believer in Christ, it says that all will be filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What does that mean? All can be filled. I don't know about you, but what does that word mean? All. It's all. I've heard people say, well, you know what, maybe it's just, I'm just not supposed to get. I'm just not supposed to receive the, you know, the death of the Lord. Maybe I'm, I'm just not supposed to get that gift. 
for that promise. I said, so you're calling God a liar? Because you're calling God a, God, a God a liar if you're saying that I that maybe it's not for you because his words clearly says, I think I made that abundantly clear and I could have went deeper into it, but it says all were filled. Here's uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 17, which restates Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It says, and it shall come to this is Peter speaking, telling them, it says, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now just remember the word of God said old men. I never said old men. I just say ones with more experience than I have. But that's the word of God. He, I'm not going to correct the word of God. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin. That, and ye shall receive what? The gifts of the Holy Ghost. What is he telling them? This is a three-part thing, and so many people make so much out of this. Repent. Turn from your old ways. Get saved, says, and be baptized. Everyone should be water baptized. Is it essential to salvation? No. But it's what you should do. It's commanded in Scripture. If you die before you're water baptized, are you going to go to hell? No. But you should be water baptized. And it says, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. It's a promise. God doesn't take it back his promises. He doesn't take back his gifts. He's not an Indian giver. Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says, And when they prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spanked the word of God with boldness. To be witnesses, to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's let's look at it as we go on. Romans chapter eight verse uh, chapter eight verse nine says, "But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit." How many of you know that if you're a believer, you're supposed to be in the spirit, not in the flesh? If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. He dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is not of his. What is he basically saying? If you're not saved. You don't have the Spirit of Christ in you. Plain and simple. If you're saved, you do. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says this. In whom ye uh, also trusted, after that you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in, in whom also, after that ye believed. What is it saying? You heard it. You believe the gospel, and then it says you are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of our purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. One of the things we need to realize is that we can be, we can be saved, we can be baptized in the Holy Ghost, but the thing is that we should continue to do the things of God. Why? Because if there's a possibility that you could read the Spirit, then you know what? Ephesians chapter 4 even actually says it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, where, uh, where ye are be, uh, sealed until the day of redemption. 
How do you grieve someone? Parents, how, does, how do your children grieve you? How do your grandchildren grieve you if you're grandparents? Or if you have family, how do they grieve you? They do the things that they're not supposed to do. What is he telling you? He says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. How do we know what to do? The Word of God tells us what not to do and what to do. Somebody said it's impossible to grieve the Spirit. I beg to differ. There's a verse that says it. John chapter 16, verse 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. He is saying, I need to go away. This is the disciples are saying, why? You don't need to go away. You can just stay here forever. It's, it's fine. We're good with it. No, he's saying, I need to go away. If I, if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. If I depart, I will send him unto you. That is why Jesus, you know, uh, that's why Jesus is telling us that he is, I'm going to send him after, he's going to dwell in you and through you and, and be upon you. That he's going to comfort you in those times of need. Salvation in Jesus and being baptized in the Holy Ghost does something this world cannot do. When God enables and empowers us, we can fulfill the two greatest commissions, or sorry, the two great commandments. When, we, uh, when the Holy Spirit enables and empowers you, we can fulfill the two greatest commandments. I've heard so many times people say, you know what, I just don't, I just seem to be beating my head against a wall. I just can't seem to get through. Pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I find it fitting that I'm, I'm preaching out here in the sun while we're not preaching in the church because I think most of the time people think that I can only receive it if I'm in a certain spot in that sanctuary. If I go to a certain spot and a certain person lays hands on me and a certain person does this, you know, I want to tell you, you know what? You can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit wherever you're at, in the parking lot, in your house, in a restaurant, wherever. It doesn't matter. If you're praying and seeking the Lord, the Lord will do it. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter your location. It doesn't matter if you have both hands up in the air. It doesn't matter if your hands are open and closed. It doesn't matter if you're sitting here like this. It doesn't matter what you're doing, what the position is. Be earnest and seek the Lord while he is found. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is if you're saying, Lord, I want to be baptized in your Holy Ghost right now. And that's the whole thing is that most people don't want to, you know, they sit there and go, No, it doesn't matter. If you ask the Lord, it's a promise. It's a gift. He's not going to take it back. He's not going to take it away from you. Go, Oop, you almost had it. Sorry. Tricked you. The two great commandments are this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and... Love your neighbor as yourself. This is in Luke chapter 10, verse 28, uh, 27. You want to know how you can love God with all your heart? Seek all that he has for you. Seek all that he has for you. Don't sit there and stop at salvation and say, well, I, I like getting a verse of the day on my phone. Seek his word. Dive into this. Dig into this. Ask the Lord for all the promises that he's asked you for. Why? Because you know what? They're promises. He's already given them to you. I'm not saying being indignant about it. Like, Lord, you better give it to me because your word says it. That's a wrong attitude. How many of you know? Well, maybe I'm the only one that has done this. 
had gone up to my parents, who are here this morning, so they can testify to this, have come to them and said, you better give this to me because I deserve it. After I was unable to sit down for a little while, I realized that I probably should change my attitude. You don't go to God the same way. You don't go tell God that he has to do anything. But the thing is, if we go in the spirit of humility saying, Lord, I want you. I got to have you. Please baptize me in your spirit. I need this power from on high. Lord, I need you no matter what. God, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to tarry until I receive that power from on high. You see, on Resurrection Sunday, which was a few weeks ago, Easter, the disciples believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that in John chapter 20. And the result was eternal life or salvation from God. But on Pentecost Sunday, they were waiting and they were praying for the promise of the Father from on, from on high. And the result was what? The power to witness. They received the power from on high. They received what the Lord would have for them. Let's bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray right now on this Pentecost Sunday that there's somebody here that does not know you or has walked away from you. I believe as your word says, we know that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Not some, but all. So there has to be a payment for that. Your word says, for the wages of sin is death. So there's death in that, and it's both physical and spiritual. But then your word says, in the latter part of that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a gift as well. You can't buy it, you can't purchase it, you can't do anything. You must believe it in faith. The same way as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you must believe in faith. You must be born again first before you can receive that gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But God doesn't want, God in his word says that that death, like I said, is not just a physical, but it's a spiritual. In Revelation chapter 20 and also in 21, it, it says that all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which is the second death. But I know that God's word also says that he didn't want us to go to hell. His word says in Romans chapter, 12, chapter 5, verse 8, it says, For God commended his love toward us, that even while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. What do you have to do? You have to receive. His word says in Romans chapter 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead, and that if you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you walked away from the Lord and you don't know the Lord, I beg you and plead just as Jesus did in the temple. That he begged and plead and he, he was passionate about it. He says, you know what? Get saved. I'm standing right in front of you. The Lord is standing in front of you right now. Whether it be here or you're watching online, the Lord is standing in front of you saying, surrender to me. Surrender to me. Give your life to me. Wherever you're at right now, I ask that you would just, if you're at your home, take a knee, take two knees, take whatever you need to do. Bow your heart before the Lord. 
and call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Save me from my, my previous life. I turn away from it. I don't want to do those things. I want to follow what your word says. I want to, I believe on you. I believe that you died, that you were buried, and that you rose again on that third day. And if you do that with all sincerity in your heart, you are saved. It's as easy as that. Begin to read the word of God. Find yourself a Bible-believing church. You're more than welcome to join us over here at Brothers Hill First. But if you already have a church, go over there, get involved, get into a Bible study. And for those this morning that have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that have not received it, I'm going to pray right now. And it doesn't matter your location. You can be at home. You can be wherever you're watching this. We're right here. It doesn't matter. I've heard of multiple, multiple people pray that they would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for those believers in this place because you must be born again to receive this gift, receive the promise of the Father. You must be born again. And so right now I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, for those that want to receive this gift, that all would be filled. Lord, I pray that those who are earnest and receive this gift, that they would be filled with this, that they, you would baptize them in the Holy Ghost right now. And we believe that evidence, that initial physical evidence is speaking with other tongues, as your word says. And so, Lord, I pray right now. I pray for those that have already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would begin to pray in that in your prayer language. Pray, pray in, the, in the Holy Ghost. And I pray for those that you would receive what the Lord has said. You would, you would receive the promise of the Father. Right now in Jesus' name.